1: Welcome. Welcome back to Boston cage podcast. So February, the month of real estate. Now I didn't look it up on a calendar. I'm just deeming it the month of real estate because we had an opportunity to interview some highly successful real estate individuals, not to say real estate agents. One person may be a real estate agent. One person may be wholesaling. Another person may be more so the back end, the capital. Um, So this month is really going to be geared towards real estate in general our first guest is jessica i've known jessica for about 15 20 years um, way of tau uh, some of you may remember from season one uh, the first episode we did was uh, Tal sariano thompson and you know kind of in, an, in the network of who is in your inner circle kind of multiplies who you're you are and who you're going to be so jessica is one of those people that's in my my inner circles and it took me forever to get her on a show, but, you know, I finally got an opportunity to get a hold of her and get her on a show. So, everybody, Jessica. Hey, Jess. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi. How are you doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm doing good. And yourself? Good. Cool, cool. I mean, how long? We, we've known each other for like, it seems like 20 years, 15 years, somewhere in there.
0: Probably. Yeah. Well before babies.
1: Cool. So, why don't you give our audience a little insight to who you are?
0: Okay. Um, that seems like a very large question. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said fluff. <laughs> yeah, this, this is fluff.
1: This is the beginning. This is kind of set in the playground. Of like, who is Jess? Like, start with your name.
0: Well, let's see. I'm Jessica Arledge. I'm a real estate agent with the Arledge team at Keller Williams Realty. Been doing it a little over 10 years. Um, I am a mom and a wife. And, um, Of course, like most working parents, um, always looking to find the balance of the two.
1: So, I mean, do you say you're into real estate? um, I mean, you're you're not just a real estate agent, right? I mean, you do multiple other things. So, um, when I first met you, I think you were talking about possibly you were a writer as well?
0: Yes. Yes, actually, um, I have an English degree from Florida State and then a master's in creative writing from mm-hmm. Kennesaw State and um like writing songs writing children's books um and um just find it to be a great outlet
1: got it so um, so I, I mean that's, that's a big difference between real estate and writing how did you get into real estate
0: um it is and it's not honestly because um Well, I got into real estate because I had been teaching continuing education classes for a home inspection company in Metro Atlanta that was actually part of a Fortune 500 group. So, I was doing all of their marketing and um, our main client was, you know, the real estate industry, um, real estate agents. So, we set up a real estate school and I started writing and teaching classes for real estate agents. Um. So then when we moved, um, after, really after the downturn, the last kind of major recession hit, um, we went from a situation where my salary was cut in half, um, overnight and a week later, my husband was being told the company he worked for was closing, um, So we went from being just fine to going, oh, wow, okay, what now? Um, He found a job in the Savannah area and we moved here and I had to figure out what I was going to do with a background in marketing and what I had learned of homes and real estate seemed like a natural fit.
1: That's definitely interesting. So, so it sounds like you were essentially developing courses. You was using your writing skills to develop the courses for in real estate, and then through that, what was the eureka moment to say, okay, I'm doing all this teaching people on the real estate side. I want to become a real estate agent. How did that pan out?
0: Um, honestly, some of it panned out. Um, because as I was applying for jobs. In this area, Mm. when I was looking at what the opportunity was there, um, I started to realize I could probably create more opportunity for myself if I found something that was more independent. Mm. And one of the great things about real estate is that you really are your own driver um, as far as your success goes. Um, Mm. I have great support from my brokerage but you're also given a lot of freedom to figure out what works, what doesn't and how to drive your business. Um, so I felt like my opportunity was actually greater when I weighed it all out by doing something kind of independently.
1: Got it. All right. So just rolling back into, so, I mean, uh, you got into real estate, the point of when you realize that, okay, you probably weren't going to make enough money in another field, you transitioned into real estate how did that work out?
0: Um, you know, the first year was tough. Mm-hmm. The first year, um, I was working 50, 60 hours a week and, um, you know, you only get paid in real estate when something closes. So mm-hmm. laying groundwork is a lot of it. And I was very fortunate in the fact that my husband had a full-time job, mm-hmm. um, but, um, at the end of the first year after working 60 hours a week and banking somewhere around eight thousand dollars off of all of after all of my expenses we kind of looked at each other and I said okay are we are we going round two but enough had been laid out and there was enough opportunity that was um, already under contract and getting ready to happen that we kind of went yep let's go for it and I would say my business more than doubled, you know, well more than doubled and then just continued to grow very, very quickly. So um,
1: so you, you think that growth was potentially like your, your personality because, I mean, you're a very happy person, you know, like <laughs> – you ooze happiness. Do you think that <laughs> that was a part of your success?
0: Well, I think sometimes people just feeling like they can actually trust you makes a huge difference and that you really are someone who's going to put their best interest first because sometimes people look at real estate agents like used car salesmen mm-hmm. and they're just waiting for you to be out to take advantage of them. And um sure that absolutely is, out there but there are also lots of people who are not like that and um, sometimes just seeing that someone is also excited Mm. about what they're doing and actually listens to them and is actually trying to help them achieve their um, goals and not trying to force something on them really puts people at ease and it really helps and they do recommend you to their friends afterwards so yeah i think being positive but kind of being positive about what they've got going on even more than what you've got going on um makes a big difference
1: got it so i mean how is the business structure you were saying you're you're i guess you're under the umbrella of a broker dealer and i guess most people don't even understand like the logistics behind the scenes i mean are you your own independent llc are you an s corp c corp or are you just you know how does that work
0: so you you can have your own LLC, mm-hmm. but um, right now I'm I'm a 1099
1: employee.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I am under the umbrella of Keller Williams. I also have the Arledge team. So I mm-hmm. have another agent, Andrea Gines, on my mm-hmm. team who is fabulous. Um, and she worked for me as an assistant for a year and was just so good and so smart and um, ethical and hardworking that about six months in. I was pushing her to get her license um, because I just knew how well she'd do, and it was um, something that she had expressed interest in, and she's really taken off. She's doing amazing, and then um, Sammy, Sammy Tara is my full-time assistant, um, you know, and she is a full-time employee of mine, and she's also a licensed agent, but did it for a while and realized she really preferred being behind the scenes. And I couldn't be happier with that choice of Mm. hers because she's really smart and wonderful. And, you know, you're only as good as the people you have in your corner. Mm. So, um, so we are our own little team um, under Keller Williams and our broker um, provides training and is always available when I need, um, help with something but it's not like reporting to a boss
1: every Mm -hmm. day got it so we always hear about the 20 years it takes somebody to achieve a level of success that they're essentially proud of how long did it take you to get to where you
0: are um hmm. well I mean (laughs) I would say 10 and a half years only because I feel like I grow a little more every year Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh, the goal is not to plateau um There have certainly been times that we have, Mm -hmm. um, and if I see us plateauing, then I have to take a step back Mm. and try and figure out why and how to reach that next level. Um, You know, I hope that there's never a point where I can say, um, um, you know, we're we're done learning Mm. and growing, even if it's not growing in terms of size even if it's not growing in terms of revenue even if it's just branching out and finding other ways Mm -hmm. to do our business better Um, because if you don't stay relevant um, this is a quickly moving industry Mm -hmm. and if you don't stay on top of it then you will fall behind
1: yeah yeah, it kind of of blows my mind because i think the general stereotype is that real estate is real estate so like I think we had a conversation just yesterday and I was just asking you all these like business questions about commercial about um, going wide going vertical and you kind of was like I have a person for that <laughs> you right. specialize more so <laughs> in residential and not necessarily in commercial and and then hearing you say it was like it kind of dawned on me it was like well obviously there's is niche. This niche market even in real estate, right? So yes. so you, what's your niche in real estate?
0: Um, you know, I'd say the meat and potatoes of our um of our particular real estate team is um you know, residential real estate. We um most of our clients um in this area are buying somewhere between I would say, um, you know the mid ones up into about the mid fours that 's not to say that we don 't have clients buying thirty thousand dollar homes and clients buying two million dollar homes, but in this particular market, most people are looking somewhere between one hundred and fifty and four so that 's kind of your daily grind mm-hmm. um, but um, you do you get to know your market, you get to know your market well, you get to know um, You know, which neighborhoods don't have homeowners associations, which neighborhoods are more strict, which neighborhoods someone can um, paint their house pink and Mm. keep an RV in the front yard if that's what they want, you know, (laughs) Um, so that you can help people find what they're looking for. Um, Because sometimes friends will call and ask me questions about their house in New York. I can't Mm. I can't help them with that, but I can find them the right person to help them. With
1: got that. it, got it, got it. So next up is considering that, you know, from a writing background, believe it or not, you were doing course development, you went into real estate, and real estate seems to be your bread and butter today. What's one thing that you would have done differently to get you to where you are a lot faster if you could do it all over again?
0: Um, I waited too long to hire an assistant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I feel like leverage is a really important tool and um, I was so worried about spending the extra money Mm -hmm. in the beginning Um, because it was scary not only from a standpoint of spending the money, but also being responsible for someone else's living was a little terrifying to me Mm because I felt like, okay, now it's not just on me to make sure I can help support my family, but I have to be able to support someone else as well. Um and I didn't take that lightly and I didn't want to do it if I felt like I wouldn't be able to deliver on what I'd promised to them. Um but when I finally did it, what I found was I actually made more money that year than I had ever made before after the mm-hmm. salary was paid. Um and I'm still friends with my first assistant who ended up getting her own real estate license down the road. And now every time I see her, I'm like, man, I should have paid you more.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
0: don't, I, I mean, yeah. I was so worried about it that I really underpaid her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she's a great person. We're still, um, we're still friends today, and she's doing quite well in her real estate career. And we talk from time to time about it. Um, but, yeah, I wish I'd done it faster. I wish that I'd pulled that trigger faster.
1: Yeah, it's funny you said that because, I mean, I think every business owner goes through that eureka moment sooner or later and kind of hit me as well, too. It's kind of like potentially for every PA or virtual assistant that I have, I could potentially do double, triple the work at hand. So it gives me opportunity to, from a business standpoint, look at scaling, look from a high level view and leave those individuals working on the micro things and step and repeat step and repeat so you can infinitely scale as long as you have the work to to fill in those seats
0: absolutely absolutely and it's really important that um that, well in this case sammy who is my current assistant mm-hmm. um understands how valuable she is and that i make sure that i show that through how mm-hmm. she's treated um as well and and paid and benefit you know um Benefits, Not in terms of health benefits, but in terms of, mm. um, you know, added value that we can deliver mm. on um, because she is also the face of the company and she's talking mm. to my clients on a regular basis and how yeah. she makes them feel is every bit as important as how they feel when they deal with me.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess this, this this is one of those questions that I usually don't have the opportunity to ask. Since you're dealing with people that have real estate licenses as long side with you, is that an opportunity for them to kind of take your clients and run away? Do you have non-competes in there? Like, I mean, obviously it's trust, but how do you safeguard your livelihood?
0: Um, So basically when they come in. My clients are actually Keller Williams clients. Mm-hmm. They actually belong to the brokerage, um, and likewise, when someone on my team is given a lead by me, they are a um, they are a client of the Arledge team, mm. and um, because of my relationship with my broker, they also safeguard that. Mm. Um, now, that said, at some point as much as you put infrastructure in place to safeguard against that, is there still potential for it? Sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you really still have to have a very strong relationship with anyone that you're going to bring into your team Mm -hmm. and have a level of trust there. And um, I'm very, very fortunate to have a team that um, I, I just, I would not lose one night's sleep over that with the people that i have
1: on my team i mean that's that's a pretty rare thing i mean finding good people that know what they're doing that are trustworthy are like a needle in a haystack
0: yes yes it's true and that's one of the reasons that um you know there are a lot of arguments for Mm -hmm. building a team where you build in you bring in as many people as possible as fast as possible Mm -hmm. because truthfully the way our um the way our structure works, you make money off of every transaction they do. There's hypothetically nothing to lose
1: Mm. by
0: just bringing in as many people as possible. But when those people are out there representing you Mm. um, and you don't know how they're conducting their business, there's not a world in which I am comfortable with Mm. that. So for me, having a small team... That I don't have to worry about mm. is a much better place for me to be. So I get to mm. sleep. <laughs> yeah, the, the
1: illustration of that—that—that that, that really, like, uh, when I when I make this next statement, it'll be very visually clear for somebody to understand how scaling can go wrong. Right? Everybody's familiar with with building or playing Jenga, right? Right. The, the wooden blocks. So the blocks start off very solid, but if you were to put a time on that and it's like a, you only have five seconds to remove a piece and every four people are playing, those pieces are going to be all over the place very quickly. But if you are organizing it and you have time to slowly pull out a piece, slowly move a piece on top, if you need to make the base wider, you have opportunity to do that to make it a lot stronger and scale and scale and scale. But unfortunately, a lot of people are, like you saying, they just want to scale overnight without the foundation being right solid.
0: Right. Right. And it was really important to me with getting started to make sure that, um, I can support the people on my team also and that they're going to be successful. Um, And that way, um, well, for one, they stay, you know, honestly, um, which allows me to take the next step and feel comfortable with it.
1: Got it. So do you come from an entrepreneurial background like your your dad, your mom, uncles, aunts, anybody in your family had like that entrepreneurial hustle?
0: (laughs) Kind of. My father Hmm. is an attorney. And, um, yes, absolutely. He was part of a team. Um, And, um, you know, my parents had a lot of tolerance for a lot of things, but lazy was not okay. You did not say that you were bored around Mm. my parents. Um, You say you're bored, you end up with a broom in your hands. (laughs) A vacuum cleaner you know there's <laughs> is the last thing you wanted coming out of your mouth <laughs> you would go outside you would find something always look busy <laughs> got it um but um and then my mother owned her own photo studio but um her drive was there her talent was there but oh my gosh she gave everything away <laughs> mm. I mean, she has such a big heart, and they didn't actually need it to pay the bills at that point, mm-hmm. so um, I would say the creativity and um, talent and drive and all of that was there, but then someone would come in and say, oh, I love all the pictures so much, but I just mm-hmm. don't have quite enough money, and she'd say, ah, just take them all, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, there's positives and negatives to that, right? Yes. Yeah. So, she <laughs> closed that business
0: now, but made a lot of good friends.
1: <laughs> nice. Do you think coming from an entrepreneurial family, do you think that was part of the reason why you're successful today?
0: Um, Absolutely. And I think part of what I got to watch was um, not just the success that... And my dad really built a very, very successful business. Um, but I also got to see how much his um, legal secretary, Donna, mm. was a driver in that business and how he recognized that um, and recognized that the people he surrounded himself with were every bit as important as what he did mm. um, day to day. And he would always say, um, when he took his cases, he'd always say, don't charge the max. Don't charge the maximum. The way you treat people is going to have more to do with your success Mm -hmm. than um, trying to nickel and dime people or trying to pinch a penny and um, not appreciating the people who work with you. Um, And I think that that had a huge influence on how we put together this business model
1: yeah I mean it's always good to have the forefathers to have the insight then you kind of pick up little tips and tricks of the trade on the way so how do you juggle Absolutely. your your work life and your family life
0: uh it's a constant battle mm-hmm. it's a constant battle um and I think that in you know in this industry it's not a nine-to-five job um, there are many nights that I'm on the computer until eleven o'clock at night. Mm. You know, and start at six a.m. Um, there comes a point where you realize that it's okay to put the phone on silent mm. and say, "I'm gonna watch my kids play." <laughs> okay. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch my kids' soccer game, um, and just put it away for a little while and be in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then immediately listen to the messages. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Make sure <laughs> nothing has to be responded to immediately. Um, but, um, you know, there are times that you feel like you're not doing either very well. And then there are times that you feel like you've got it all worked out. <laughs> hmm. um, and I think um, it's just a constant... Um, constant thing that has to be taken out and looked at Um, and um, I'm just really grateful to be at a point in my career that I can ignore the phone for a couple hours Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I'll ever be at a point where I could ignore it for a day and thankfully my kid um, gets that and knows that I will always be there for his important moments
1: That's definitely, definitely important. Uh, what are your, your morning routines, morning habits? Uh, uh, (laughs)
0: Hmm. well, we're in a new world right now. So, um, our morning routine has become less of a routine than it used to be. um, But normally, you know, the dogs wake me up (laughs) (laughs) by jumping on my head. So I get the dogs up. I make coffee before I get the child up because we're both happier that way. Um, And then I wake my son up and he starts getting himself ready for school. And I'll come down and get on my computer and start planning out my day. Um, and then when he goes to school, um, once upon a time, I would go to the gym. Um, now I mainly snuggle with the dog because (laughs) I'm not ready, (laughs) not ready for the gym yet, (laughs) which is showing, unfortunately, (laughs) but, um, I feel like just kind of getting my bearings first thing in the morning Mm. is very important. Um, and kind of trying to do the same thing with my son just going over okay what have you got going on today what's the game plan and making sure we're on the same page
1: gotcha yeah i'm surprised you didn't bring up i mean the, the toking drug of choice in the morning is coffee
0: oh gosh yeah i mean um it's funny my family will not let me run out of coffee if coffee is running low mm. everybody makes sure mama's got coffee they know <laughs> It's not good for anybody if I don't have my coffee.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely crazy. I mean, it, it's the longer and longer I do the show, the more and more I realize, like three out of four people all start their day off with, with that cup of caffeine, no matter what time. I, I, I had one guy on here, Milano. His episode is um, pretty much a, a really golden gem in itself. He wakes up at three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Every morning. Wow. And then, you know, we had um, Dr. B on here and, you know, he's always on call. So he's not particularly sleeping a full shift. He's always three hours here, two hours there. But in between those jumps and those gaps, there's always been coffee in between it. So definitely interesting. Uh, <clears throat> how does your days usually end?
0: Um, well, I try to read for a little bit before I go to bed because often I'm on the computer until very late. Um, So I need some kind of transition um, in order to fall asleep, in order to stop playing everything out that needs to happen the next day or everything that happened within the day. So I will usually take a book and sit down and try and read and I usually make it about three pages before collapsing, Mm. (laughs) but, um, I have to have some kind of break between, um, uh, going from work and, um, you know, whatever's going on in our family life to sleep. Um, and I used to really like reading very heavy books, But now, in the chaos of everything, I'm like, let me solve the world's problems in 300 pages Mm. (laughs) and go to bed. And I'm at peace with that. (laughs) So are you more
1: of a nonfiction, fiction fiction reader? I mean, what style of books are you reading? Uh,
0: Nonfiction. I read all of the Michael Connelly Mm. stuff, Lincoln Lawyer Lawyer and um, all the Bosch books and Grisham and – I just finished Where the Crawl Dads Sing, which was a good one. Um, but, um, yeah, so fiction. Did I say nonfiction or fiction? Fiction. Mm. <laughs> um, I like some historical fiction where it's mm. driven by facts, mm. but it's all um, put in settings where you have characters and you can get into their minds in a way mm. that you never really can otherwise because some of that you have to invent um, to keep a story flowing you can't actually know what someone thought at every second in the 1800s
1: <laughs> yeah I mean the more and more I get into publications the more and more I realize and, and I, I see why uh, fiction is always going to be a top seller I mean nonfiction fiction kind of helps you get to where mm-hmm. you're going but the, the fiction side of it kind of lets you detach yes and there's a it's a borderline between the two, which is like the memoirs, like the stories of someone's life that's kind of like you could relate to it, but some of it is so far-fetched and so astronomical yet it's like the wow. It's kind of like fantasy, but it actually happened.: Yeah.: uh, So what do you see yourself in um, yourself and your business in 20 years?
0: Um, well, what I would like to do is continue to grow. Um, but grow methodically. Um, I'm working on my broker's license now so that we can open a property management division.
1: Nice.
0: Um, Yeah, I like the idea of being able to be versatile in what we do and as markets change, um, people's needs change. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I would like to grow my team, but not... um, You know, I'm not looking to have a team of 50 people. Mm. Um, So still a small, manageable team, but I'd love to grow it to the point that um, if I did take a weekend off, Mm. that was a real realistic Mm. thing um, where it could kind of self-maintain and I wouldn't have to worry about um, that being a problem.
1: You ever thought about probably partnering up with another agent?
0: Um, you know, I'm a very um, – so you wouldn't think it um, when you know me personally, but I'm a little too A-type for that mm-hmm. when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. I know how I want things to go, and I really don't want to have to run certain things by someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will say um, my my teammate um, andrea um, is included on a lot of the decision making um, because she's very smart and um, has a lot of smart ideas and can bring a lot to the table and um, is really invaluable in that way so Um, we really do work as a team in a lot of ways. Um, There are just certain things fundamental to the business that I really um, just want to manage on my own.
1: Nice. I mean, it definitely makes sense. I mean, if you're, you're saying you're a type personality, right? You're a Mm -hmm. workaholic, right? Yes. You kind (laughs) of have things, a vision of how you want them to be. So, the goal would be you have to kind of steer the business in that direction until you get to the point to where it can kind of self-sustain itself.
0: Right, right. And and that said, um, I do think it's important to have other people who feel like they can 100% take ownership of certain aspects mm-hmm. of the business and be in charge of what they're doing. I'm not looking to micromanage anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the bigger facets of the business when it comes to where I'm spending money that I really um, – feel like I need to take ownership of that.
1: Got it, got it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so what tools would, that you have to use that you would not be able to run your business without?
0: Um, professional photography. Hmm. Um, these days, people decide whether they like a house or not, whether they're seriously interested in it well before they step foot. In that house, um, and my first year in business, I really thought I was a good photographer. And then I saw professional photographs, and I was like, "Ooh, hmm. okay, yeah, no, lighting, 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 <laughs> yeah." So, um, um, I always get professional photographs. We've started doing three hundred and sixty um, tours of the homes mm-hmm. as well. Which, right now, with the pandemic, is Really important because I've had multiple people who are out of state mm. buy properties here without setting foot in them, and I love the idea that they can use their finger and push an arrow, and they can spin the room, and they can look at the ceiling, and they can look at the floor, and they can mm-hmm. look at the walls. Um, it's not my favorite way to sell a house because um, I want to make sure that people see everything mm. um and you can't smell a photograph mm. <laughs> you know you can't there are other mm. senses that come yeah. into play well not yet right <laughs> right right <laughs> give it a little time we'll yeah. have that technology yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um but that said it's a really wonderful tool it's about as close as you can mm. get to being there and walking through the mm. house and then we will in addition to that do a FaceTime or a Zoom call mm. or something like that and actually physically go out and describe everything else going on with the house. But,
1: so what's the flavor of the, um, the software that you're using for the VR?
0: Um, I'm using a system called Matterport okay. right now, and part of the reason that we do that is I can go out to the property, um, the camera communicates with my phone, mm-hmm. I can take the pictures while I'm there, And at the end of it, it will upload to the site while I'm off showing properties Mm. and doing my next thing. So it's somewhat self-managing. And then it provides me with links and some are branded and some are not because Mm. in real estate, you can't always put your brand on your marketing. Mm. Um, Because some of it is designed for other agents to share with their clients, Mm. Um, in which case you can't have your stuff all over it or they're not going to share it. Um, and whoever designed the system obviously really understands our market and our rules because it's already got so much of that built in that it makes it very easy.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: The only problem is when you're taking outside pictures and the neighbors keep coming outside to see what you're doing, you got to start over again. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or cars keep driving by.
1: Gotcha. So it's all about timing. hmm yeah. Uh, What words of wisdom would you have for somebody that's an up and coming entrepreneur that potentially could hear this podcast and wants to follow in your footsteps?
0: Um, to just put your head down and keep trying, um, to not be afraid to ask questions, to learn from those who went first. I mean, so much of my business was honestly built on mirroring and pestering other people (laughs) (laughs) that I saw were successful. Um, And when I had questions, I picked about five real estate agents that I knew were doing a good job and smart and really driving their business and um, would just kind of rotate through because I didn't want to annoy any single one of them too much. So I just rotate through who I called Mm. (laughs) and call with questions um, because I feel like – you know, it's kind of like the whole learn to crawl before you can walk. Mm-hmm. I needed to learn what other people were doing before I felt comfortable going, okay, now this is what I'm going to do differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best agents will all have some basic framework that they follow, but then something that they bring to the table that's a little different. And I think mm-hmm. that's true of probably any business. Yeah, uh, systems are the key.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up not only systems but, you know, following people that have done it before you. So, are you a big believer in going to workshops, master classes?
0: Um, I am. And that's one of the great things about being part of a large brokerage is that they provide ongoing training. Hmm. Um, you know, and right now I am taking this class um for my broker's license, but it is not actually so that I can start my own brokerage, at least not at this point um i really like where i'm at but it's because one i want to be able to do property management and i have to have it in order to do that but two the more i can understand about my business the more successful Mm -hmm. i'm going to be so every opportunity to learn is an opportunity to grow
1: Yeah, that's definitely some solid 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 insight Uh, so where can people find you online facebook website phone numbers
0: Okay, so the Arledge team is um, our Facebook page. And then um, if you go to um, the Arledge Mm -hmm. team.com, that's our website. Um, My phone number is 912-247-6449 is my cell. And the office number is 912-748-4600.
1: Great, great. So now obviously this is like the bonus round, the bonus questions.
0: Okay. All right. So the
1: first the first one I have for you is, what is your most significant achievement to date?
0: Well, I mean, my kid. Um. <laughs> um, but um, from a business standpoint, I would say, um, really, probably um, I. I received the Hall of Fame award a few years back, which you get after you pass a million dollars in earned commissions, mm. um, and that was not for one year. I wish it was for one year. It was mm. not for one year, <laughs> but it was um, accumulative. Um, but it it was a big milestone, and to think about it and realize, yeah, my first year in business, I made eight thousand dollars, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then to hit that milestone um, was big. That's hmm. big, um, so that's probably um, probably my business milestone that um, I'm most proud of. Um,
1: nice, nice. It's funny because I asked that question to um, Heather. She was on one of the earlier episodes, and she pretty much said the same thing you said. It was the kid was the primary, and obviously, you know, secondary Absolutely. is going to be business. But I mean, I, I definitely. Um, condone and believe in that as well too i mean you this person didn't want to be here they're here now and then you have to kind of raise them to be an adult and seeing all their achievements that you've never had the ability to achieve or never was able to achieve to see them do it is definitely a, a great visual
0: absolutely because at the end of the day that's why i'm working to begin with mm. <laughs> um it's really for um you know for my family unit um and um you know that's that's where all of my motivation comes from, really um, mm-hmm. and I want nothing more than to see him learn and grow and pass me hmm. um, which I absolutely one hundred percent believe that he will, hmm. and of course he's thirteen, so he's pretty sure he already has, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> teenage years, man.
1: <laughs> All right, next up is, and this is always kind of like a a funny one, right? If you could be a superhero, who would you be and why?
0: Oh, gosh. Okay, so this is really tough because when I was little, I could have hands down told you Wonder Woman. And I had my little underoos, and I would spin around, and, I mean, it was hard to keep me fully clothed (laughs) when they bought me those Wonder Woman (laughs) underoos. So, I mean. And in light of the recent movie, she is pretty awesome, mm. I have to say. Um, but flying. Mm. She doesn't fly. She needs a jet. Well, I mean, she so, she can leap tall buildings. She has, she can leap. Yeah. But Superman really, like, he's kind of got it all. Um,
1: yeah, to a certain yeah. extent. But even with Superman, he has weaknesses.
0: He does. He does. So I think I would be... Can I make my own? Can I be like part Wonder Woman, part Superman? Because sure. that's what I want right there. The like, hybrid. like their baby, their child <laughs> <laughs> would be the ultimate superhero. Well,
1: why would you want to be that?
0: Um, you know. Well, when you put it like that, maybe I wouldn't. That's a lot of responsibility. You know, I was worried about hiring an assistant. Now I'm responsible for the safety of the entire world. Mm. Oof. That's a lot. I'm not sure. Flying, safety of the entire world. Hmm. I mean, I feel like I can't get a break in real estate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Cancel. I am not a super, I'm not cut out for it, man. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's always, it's always a
1: tough one when you look at it from like the level of responsibility. I mean, that's how we end up with villains, right? Villains are particularly superheroes that it turns out. So absolutely, so, <laughs> superheroes without a mama. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this is the the one that we were talking about earlier, and Alex was alluding to. Um, if you could spend an uninterrupted twenty four hours with anybody, dead or alive, right, past or present, who would it be, and why?
0: I think it would be Albert Einstein, because he was brilliant, um, but also valued humor, Mm. and seems like he'd be very non-judgy of my lack of ability to um, hang with him intellectually. Mm. So I'd like to just sit down on a beach, eat a sandwich, and listen.
1: (laughs) Einstein. Yeah. I mean, the irony is that you said that when I was asked that same question, I said the same thing with Einstein. Our reasoning was different for me, more so was Einstein's ability to come from an education system that didn't appreciate who he was. They thought he was stupid and slow to become one of the greatest minds that we've ever have in our lifetimes currently. Absolutely.
0: And I love the fact that he... um, would appear almost mm. dithering at times, just mm. you know, half dressed, half, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was just kind of like,
1: I am who I am, right?
0: <laughs> but it's because he was busy concentrating on other things, yeah, yeah. And all of that was really kind of meaningless,
1: <laughs> meaningless. And, and at the time that he did it too, it was just like the height of like racism as far as it was in the east, right? You know, kind of like with the Holocaust going on and mm-hmm. and n- knowing that he was Jewish and having to deal with that at the same time, coming up with all these theories. And and, I mean, pretty much I look at him as kind of like the father of like the algorithm in a certain, a certain extent. I mean, he didn't create it, but he had the brain power to say, Hey, the theory of relativity is X. Like, how do you even come up with that?
0: Right. Right. And especially at that time, I have Mm -hmm. no idea. Honestly, like I said, I would just listen. Mm -hmm. I just listen and nod and try and look (laughs) knowing (laughs) 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 take notes
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's definitely definitely a a great answer but i I definitely appreciate you coming out to the show i mean i think you you definitely gave our viewers some insight to just kind of you know think about real estate from from a different point of view i mean obviously you're a a full-time mom but you're also a full-time business owner and it gives you opportunity to have some of those freedoms but at the same time make a living
0: absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. It's more than a 40 hour a week job, but, um, it is, um, a great opportunity to kind of launch your own business for sure.
1: So this is my last question and it will close out. If money wasn't a issue, right. Would you still be doing what you're doing?
0: Um, you know, I'd be doing parts of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do, um, some investing. Mm. My husband and I do some investing. I really like real estate. Mm. Um, I do, I, I really truly like real estate, but I probably lean in more on the investment side mm. if money wasn't an issue. Mm. Um, but of course I've got to generate the revenue to do the investments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, at this point, um, one fuels the other. Um, but real estate is a really interesting um animal in and of itself and um we've done several flips that have mm-hmm. been a lot of fun um I am, we're looking at possibly getting into some um vacation rentals mm-hmm. um and that's something that i i really really enjoy but that's mm-hmm. probably where i would concentrate my efforts if money wasn't um you know, wasn't important at all, Mm -hmm. um, would be absolutely staying in the real estate field, but doing it on a personal level. Hmm.
1: You ever thought about doing wholesale?
0: Um, no, um, I don't know enough about it yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there before Mm -hmm. you dive into that, um, there is a lot you need to know about how that works, whether mm-hmm. a property is going to have a lien mm-hmm. on it, um, you know, uh, whether they're trying to assign the contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there, there is so much. That field is so broad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to rule anything out mm-hmm. at this point, but I can say that as someone who really values research, there's so much more that I would want to learn before um opening that door
1: got it got it
0: yeah, anything i do i want to do well
1: solid solid well i definitely appreciate your time and, and finally i had opportunity to catch you <laughs> <laughs> It's like I've been trying to get you on the show. It feels like, I don't know, like six months, literally. I'm
0: already rethinking like 10 of my first answers, yeah. just well, so you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's the beauty. That's the
1: beauty of, of you get to listen to it and be like, hmm, that's interesting. And then, you know, as time changed, I mean, I would do another episode, but it gives you opportunity to kind of get it out there, listen to it, and then potentially change your direction. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, again, I appreciate it, Jessica.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Have a good I one. You too. 233 boss that's 762 233 2677 i would love to hear from you remember to become a boss and cage you have to release your inner beast sa grant signing off listeners
0: of boss and cage are invited to download a free copy of our host sa grant's insightful ebook become an uncaged trailblazer